no, I've got no baggage. There is like a parachute dragging me behind because it's like, well, I'm going to be as real and as honest as I can be and will be. And if it's a difficult conversation to have, I'm prepared to have it in humility as well. So that would be that. But those past experiences as well, if I hadn't have gone through them, I wouldn't be in the position that I am now to be able to go, well, you know, am I still on a journey becoming a better version of myself daily? And yeah, that's, that's at the forefront at the moment. Welcome to Melbourne Reconnect. I'm Paul Medhurst with founder Nick Dunnan and the manager of the Paran Centre, Kai Murray Lowe, with a very special guest, Grant Eagles. Welcome. Oh, thanks, mate. Good introduction there. Special. Very special. See, see how we can deliver, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Grant, you're quite an interesting character in terms of where you've been, like in the corporate space in the Melbourne CBD to off on your spiritual kind of adventure and healing and I know around the kind of spiritual scene around Melbourne you've been a bit of a go-to guy for people to come in and fix certain situations I know that the first time we came across you were dealing with a a certain shaman type person and then you were the person to be called in to to help and go deeper within the kind of the metaphysical kind of world Um, but ultimately you've gone from you know the corporate to you know, a go-to guy around Melbourne to, to solve spiritual crises and things like that for people or, or inner crises. And uh, yeah, and then now you're on to, you know, being a conscious businessman. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your story, yeah, where, you've, where you've been and where, where you're going now? Yeah, sure. It's, um, for me, it really all started, I reckon, or not reckon, no, when um, my grandfather died in what was that? Oh nine, and I was at his funeral. And I love that man, and I just had not like there was no emotions running through me whatsoever. I was like, "Fuck, what's going on here?" So, uh, a rites of passage opened up for me to move into Freemasonry and into um, Armok, which is the Rosicrucians, and at the same time too, that's where I was um, working in it at Downer. Um, and you know, managing a national business unit. But what was probably the the hardest thing to do was separating those different lives. Like it was essentially free characters for a period of time. And um, with the amount of stress that was coming through work, I was still hitting the gear and, and the booze pretty hard and trying to live, you know, a somewhat mystical life as well. And then, you know, as the um, the journey went on, just kind of got to a point where I was having a lot of discussions with a lot of older men that, you know, I was kind of looking up to at one stage and then, you know, they were at their, you know, mid-40s and their life was a fucking mess, you know, and I was like, am I, am I actually jumping on this train and walking down this path? And I jumped on a plane um, from Perth to come back to Melbourne and then there was this young fellow who walked on and looked at the news and said, is this fucking newsworthy? And I kind of looked at him and said, yeah, you know, and it's a decent flight from Perth to Melbourne. So, you know, four hours of contemplating and then within the space of about 12 hours, I'd walk past flight centre and then was like, fuck it. So I walked in there and booked a one-way ticket to Peru and then that afternoon resigned. But what had been transpiring probably for about six months before then 
was I continually just kept having this same kind of vision drop in, um, whether it be in dream state or just even through driving synchronicities and all the rest of the craziness that kind of goes on. You don't really speak to too many of your Aussie mates about that because the, the ridicule that comes from that, you're just like, no, I really can't be bothered. But yeah, just kind of set myself up to follow that journey. Um, when I did resign, um, not too many people had backed me. Like everyone was like, where, where are you going? You're going to the jungle to drink jungle juice. Like, are you, are you fucking mad? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of am, I suppose. I can imagine the corporate space being a little bit uh, not too aware of that kind of situation. Yeah. Not at all. There, there was a few that kind of knew me of, you know, being out on the booze with them and, you know, what type of character you turn into. But the, even them, they were like, are you, are you serious about this? And I'm like, yeah. Because I'd essentially just given myself as much time as what I needed. So when people want to speak to me about, oh, when are you coming back or what are you doing? I was like, I've fucking got no idea. Like if I go over there and find a, find a mountain to sit on for the rest of my days, well, fucking so be it. And that's the kind of attitude I had with it. People were scratching their head going, you've lost your marbles, mate. I'm like, well, working in this space can fucking make you lose your marbles. Like look at it. Look what's going on with everyone, you know. It's it's the same kind of groundhog day and it was just eating me soul up so i had to do something about it so that was kind of the you know the short story of it that got to that pivotal point of going well you know it, it's time now and you know that was in 2011 and the start of 2012 where i took off over there and you know got into the whole ayahuasca thing and i, I went and hired a shaman because i was pretty chipped up at that stage and all of the spots that had came up in my dreaming vision, I went, I went to, and some of the experiences that I had there were just, you know, they were kind of like Carlos Castaneda's type stuff where you're like, well, you know, there's, there's no, there's no point in just believing in it no more. There's, there's a knowing there. And, um, yeah, it was scratch your head stuff. Cause you, you seriously think you're going mad sometimes, but it's just the unveiling of what is a remembrance of inside yourself really. Okay, pause. Pause for me. Um, I want to know a little bit more about the trajectory of your life pre-Peru. Yeah, cool. So man. you mentioned Downer. Yep. Just like what is, what's Downer? What was the nature of your job? What was the trajectory of your life up until? Because I want, I want to hear all the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to kind of get a little bit of a sense of... What did your life look like before? Um, and just to demystify things like rite of passage, Freemasonry. Yep. Personally, I don't know any, what any of that is. So yep. if you could sort of go right into that, just so we've got a bit of a context and then we can get into the into the crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, cool, man. We'll jump in the DeLorean <laughs> and go back in time. So early on was flat out just sport. And then my body was pretty banged up. Um, you know, shitloads of cortisone injections and all the rest of that. But I had a really bad drug habit. Like, it was pretty massive. Same as alcohol. And, you know, those types of things can, can consume you a little bit. Suppose I was lucky. Um, I was always pretty switched on. So, you know, being a bit of a hustler and stuff like that, you do what you got to do to not work but make money. And then I had a, a chance meeting with a, um, an ex-army um, oh, he was my mentor for a period of time. He essentially pulled me aside and, and gave me the uh, the what for going, 
who do you think you are? Like, you've got a lot more to be offering yourself. How's about you have the surgery where you move your head from your fucking ass? And at that time, I was still a bit of a smart ass and thought I'd be a bit of a smart ass. And he just, just basically looked at me with like straight through me, like no one had ever looked through me before. And then said, well, if you want to make a crack of yourself, um, I'll offer you a job. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I had to go do a piss test, which I knew I was going to fucking fail. But um, yeah, he took me under his wing for a period of time. And that was a KNS Freighters. I was there for about four years. I worked myself, you know, up. But I went back to night school and that was a definitive point as well. Not so much from a, an educational point of view, but to be to gone back to school well when I was at school I was always fucking suspended or you know always in the shit but to go back to school and actually get a bit of structure and learning how to um, read again and learning how to actually um, learn of my capabilities rather than the way that I was taught at school because I still had this attitude. If someone had told me something, that was part of me going, oh, yeah, I'd do that. But in the back of my mind, it was like, fuck you. So it was like being able to learn that. And that was key for me when I left K&S Raiders and I had a period of time off. And um, that was when the GFC hit. And I was kind of just having a look around and, you know, listening to the likes of Warren Buffett and all those guys that, you know, when there's crises like that, that's the best opportunity for people that have got a bit of wits about them. So I kept my eye on what the government were going to spend their billion dollar packages on and it was rail. And I was like, okay, I need to find out who's got these contracts for these rail gigs. And at the time, Downer had a... Um, uh, an alliance contract with ARTC, which looking after the interstate rail. And I was like, I've got to get a job with these guys. So that's essentially what I did. I did bullshit on the resume and done the homework that I needed to, to be able to speak the language and then essentially walked into that job. What was the definitive factor of being able to walk into a job like that was my you know background in operations management and managing businesses like that but still at that time I my drinking habit was ridiculous you know I could essentially still go and do a three-day bender while I'm you know absolutely shit-faced blind by cutting deals or organizing shit on the phone it was madness but somehow I got through it well and was that FIFO work or was that Perth based um, um with Downer, I was managing um, their track machines, so all the machines that were, you know, um, do the geometry of the rail. And within the space of about, oh, I think about a year and a half, predominantly being a Victorian-based business, grew that out to being in New South Wales and got some gigs over there up in the Pilbara with BHP and um, that crazy world up there, which is, yeah, I'd yeah, I'll never be hungover up there ever again. I'll tell you that. Those those midges and 50-degree heat, it's, it's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And were you enjoying the work at all? I was for a period of time. And then it just got to a point where, um, you know, predominantly the same as in the corporate world where I was making the business a lot of money and, um, you know, not so much work in the overtime, but, you know, I took it on as mine. And to come around with um, – not being kind of rewarded in particular ways for the amount of work that you've done and things to be expected of you. That's kind of was the start of a def 
deflation within myself going, hang on a moment, like if I can do this for these guys, I can do this for myself. So I started a few little side hustles and stuff, but they needed more of my energy and time, which I'd essentially created my own monster within um, my working environment. So, you know, that was the start of the seeds to go, I've just, I've had enough really. And with a lot of the, the mystical um, environments that I was in where I wasn't speaking to anybody really about that. It was just a, um, you know, what you said before, rites of passage. It was just, it was just that calling within me to go, look, there's something here for you to look at. You can't keep ignoring it because it keeps on showing up its face. And, you know, the attitude is, well, if it, you're going to have a crack at something, at least, you know, don't do it half-assed, have a good crack. So that's what that environment kind of led me into. And, you know, traversing through a lot of different ancient texts as well, which got me back to a key point for me was going to night school and learning how to read again. Because the way that I learned at school, I wasn't a good reader. I wouldn't even read, you know. I'd essentially cheat most of the time because I was nifty on computers. But that was um, a key point to be able to go, okay, I can read. I can, you know, really back myself academically to be able to study anything, which led me into good stead of going, well, there's nothing I can't really conquer because I've got the, the skills now to be able to look at things a bit differently and then go from there. Like if I was tested you know, the way that kids are tested now, I, I reckon I would have had the whole alphabet the way that I was as a kid. Uh, yeah. So before the jungle, you were already, you were saying you're having some mystical kind of insight. Was that through meditation or through stuff you were taking or through stuff you were reading? How, how was that? How did that kind of, yeah, was that um, something that was with you from a young age or t- talk us how that yeah, started? I had some of- experiences um, when I was about 14 or 15 and a little bit younger speaking to my mom and dad about it, but it was really around that age there where some, some things just started to open up and had some kind of knowledge drop into me where I was, you know, look as it is now as a download or whatnot and kind of shut all of that off. You know, you don't be an everyday dope smoker and expect to be retaining certain things. And then, with the Rosicrucian kind of setup, which you know you can speak about, is that you can be a um, a member and you get sent out manifestos and you learn how to navigate those particular realms through meditation, through different ceremonies, and that there was just more of an opening to be um, stepping more into like the Egyptian pantheon side of things and Egyptian Book of the Dead and then, you know, moved into the Tibetan stuff and then I just got really obsessed with, you know, ancient wisdom and cultures and just went gung-ho on all of that. The one in particular was always uh, Inca and particularly the Sacred Valley and Lake Titicaca. That was the continued vision that I kept on having was of Lake Titicaca and this big kind of, you know, dragon-looking being and the sun discs and you know it got really out there almost movie yes for it to keep just happening like that i'm like well i ought to go and activate this so i did um yeah and if anyone's listening do not swim in that water <laughs> oh one morning i woke up and i'm like oh yeah cool went for a bit of run thinking i'm you know pretty good about myself and i'm wearing me collingwood short shorts could almost see my ass cheeks hanging out, and I'm there at this pier, and I'm looking at the, I'm looking at these mountains that have got glaciers on them, 
and I decided to jump in the water. I, yeah, I've, yeah, I went. I was blue for about four hours after that. <laughs> Just like Paul Meadows on a Sunday recovery with the Collingwood Footy Club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got any questions before we get into the the crazy stuff? Anything that's come up for you guys? I think for the main thing, I'm just generally interested. I don't know about you, Kai. You can you can jump in a second, but I'm I'm definitely interested in terms of where you've gone because I guess the essence of this podcast essentially is all about helping people see or just highlighting unique individuals in Melbourne that have kind of found reconnected to what's important and what they value. And you've been in that corporate you know, FIFO kind of all, yeah. you know, all around world of just hustling in the business world to kind of now or now not kind of actually living the life that, you know, the path that you see that you want to live. So just more so, you know, the trajectory of where you've kind of gone to where you are now, where we've kind of gone through a fair bit of that already. Yeah. But just more so how you kind of jump from the, the corporate side, you know, to – to the metaphysical, I think we kind of touched a fair bit on that, to then now this now is the conscious businessman where you're kind of stepping into the best of both worlds where you've kind of done the business. Yeah. You've done the metaphysical crazy, like more crazy than the average person will go into. Yeah. You know, um, that's for sure. And then to, to now is this conscious businessman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool, man. I'll I'll start with um, – we'll get into some energetics about things is that – Everybody has a, un- a unique innate talent. Um, you know, everyone's empathetic. Um, you know, got uh, their empathy and their their gut feel. For me, I got to a point where I'd spent a lot of time with um, you know other spiritual people, and I understood that I was clairsentient. And then it was like, okay, so I really worked on those practices for that, and understanding through you know alchemy as well the three different kingdoms being the lower kingdom down in your belly the middle kingdom up in your heart and the upper kingdom up in your crown where most of us from a corporate world and even in society we're up here in you know the the upper echelons of things we've actually got no pillars or base or anything to actually have energy work through or gain insight from um different different realms different connections and even different aspects of ourselves that are traversing through different realms at the same time so that there moving through that and then understanding as well that our dreaming body is down in our colon area and healing that and that was a long process you know it wasn't something that um you know i smashed out over a month it you know took me a good year and a half of sorting out what I had essentially done to my body and the amount of shit that came out was ridiculous. And then once all of that had, um, that healing journey had kind of gone on, that's where the clarity really came in to my awareness and the speed on which I would um, interface with uh, connections, language, really slowed down a lot. So it was almost like I could catch my breath again rather than being um, oversensitized of I've got to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da, kind of being able to drop into a space of, um, of presence. But that journey that I gave myself and, you know, if anybody really wants to get into it is sorting out the gut is huge with being able to gain the clarity 
and be able to have the innate wisdom of your heart to actually start to come through because it speaks a lot softly. And when you've got an overactive mind that wants to control and do all of these different things, it's, uh, it's not easy, particularly, you know, people want to go do the homework on it. You find out the amount of parasites and all of those things you got going in your gut. You're, they're essentially living in there rent-free. So that was a huge, huge um, journey. And from there, the clairsentience. And then I started to be able to hear things and be able to communicate with, um, I can say, my ancestors and other versions of myself through times past or times future. And one of the big kind of things that really dropped in, which is, you know, a part of what I use for my business here, Creative, is, you know, we're dreaming ourselves from the ancient future to here now. And when you can kind of understand that, you're like, well, is there anything that I really need to learn or can I just relax a little bit and go into a state of remembrance? And that's a hard one for the mind to kind of swallow at times, but that's essentially a mantra that I kind of continually try and remind myself with because it just gives you just that little bit more presence to just know that it's it's okay to be just you and vulnerable and all the rest that goes into that. So, yeah, that was pretty long-winded and roundabout, but yeah. <laughs> just going back a couple of steps, when you were talking about fixing your gut, that's that's a huge – that's medicine at the moment. It's pretty much all yeah. focused around reducing inflammation and improving yeah. gut biome. And we've had, you know, I, I've done stuff myself and I know it, it almost, it's almost like an antidepressant. Once you start, you know, drinking your apple cider vinegar and drinking, your, you know, eating, drinking kombucha, that sort of stuff, it yeah. really does clear you up and gives you a lot of mental clarity. Yeah. Did you find that opened up your, I guess, more spiritual realms to you as well? Did that yeah. lighten the load that way as well? Yeah. And yeah. Would, how did you go about doing that? What, what were some of the, the things you're going towards to fixing to fixing your gut biome on, or fixing your? Yeah, cool, awesome question. One would start because it was such a long journey, and there's so much noise out there. And you know, anyone that comes to see me about it, I sit there and go, well, just you know, start slow and work out what's best for you. But to sort out your colon first, that's that's key. You know, um, you're juicing, you know, if people want to do master cleanses and those types of things. But if you haven't done a fast before, prepare yourself up to succeed in it because I see so many people go, oh, yeah, cool, I'm going to do a fast. By day three, when the emotions and the no sugar and all the rest of that come in, you're a fucking mess. Like fasting, again, fasting. It's cutting edge dietary science now. Everyone's doing intermittent fasting. Tons of people do, like I do. Yeah four-hour eating windows every day now yeah and that's fixed a ton of issues for me around inflammation i'm more flexible because of it i find it's, it's yeah it's absolutely nuts um and i often do four days five day fasts and you, you hear a lot of top athletes are doing that sort of stuff now as well it's not just it's not just for weight loss or it, it's for performance as well so are you are you do you do that regularly as well yeah you're just about fasting. to start another one because i'm well overdue what i what I've experienced myself and the same as with a few others that are in a similar space to me and some others that, you know, have um, had the pleasure of coaching them through is that they'll go, oh, yeah, cool, I've done a detox and a fast. It's like, okay, and the moment that I turn around to them and go, have you actually shut out the mucoid plaque yet? Mm. And they go, no. It's like, well, it's a just you start. Because mm -hmm. by being able to get rid of all of that stuff that's in your colon area to go out, 
is what I was saying before. When you go to sleep at night, your dreaming body actually leaves from down in your colon area. And if that's full of shit, you can't actually gain the dreaming information to come back in. It just ends up being an energetic debris. Mm-hmm. So by clearing that out, as you're going out there at night, you're going to start to be able to remember some of the the things that are happening in other realms and for that there to start to come in and to be innate wisdom within yourself to start to move into those spaces. So definitely what you're saying before was a huge part of my own kind of, you know, woo-woo development. When I started to hear things, that was pretty tripped out, but it was like, all right, cool. The beginning of any of any plant-based medicine or any, any psychedelic journey or it, it all begins with a fast. Any, yeah. Anyone doing it properly, it doesn't matter what you're taking, a fast always makes it always makes it better. Like a lot of uh, a lot of shamans won't even let you take ayahuasca unless you've done a proper, yeah, that's right. proper yeah. multi-day cleanse, week-long cleanse, month-long cleanse for some of them. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 crazy that we're, this is something people are only just picking up on again. It's only just sort of coming back into the the mainstream zeitgeist all over again, skipping breakfast and doing all that sort of stuff. But, you know. It, it obviously is increasing productivity for you. Are you. Do you keep a vegan diet outside of that? or I've had a crack at everything. I just call myself a qualitarian now because if I go to my sister's joint and she's whipped up a Mars bar chocolate cake or whatever, I'm going to eat it because as far as I see it, it's made with love mm-hmm. and those types of things. So, yeah, I'm not, not going to shy away from not eating um, anything, but predominantly – is um, I drink a lot of juice. Mm-hmm. Like I smash shitloads of it. Okay. You're doing your own juicing? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. really need to start doing that. We've only just recently got the, the, the blender to really sort of handle it. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's helping everything. Again, we're not doing the full-on juicing, but it's like deep kale shakes and things like that and starting yeah. the day off right. Absolutely fantastic. Nothing better for you. But. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the other, the other one for me as well, which, you know, we'll, we'll go there, was getting – um, doing intravenous at least once or twice a month for a period of time. So I try and do that at least a couple of times a year as well to really boost myself up with all of my trace minerals, magnesium, and all the vitamins. So that I know within myself that my body's right to go. So whether it be training or, you know, different spiritual practices or whatever I do, is that um, uh, my body actually feels nurtured and um, it's in a nutritious state to be able to go, okay, cool, I've got this. And whenever, you know, your mind kind of comes in with its things, you kind of just be able to just move that to a side a lot easier rather than all the rest of the other shit that goes on. Well, yeah, a lot of people think of nutrition as purely a physical, for physical benefits and like athletic performance benefits and things like that. But again, new science is going to nootropics and you're fueling the brain around you know, um, reducing inflammation, increasing intelligence, increasing reaction speed, and things like that, increasing spiritual experiences, increasing lucid dreaming—all that sort of all that sort of stuff is just produced in the gut. The mind's more of an antenna, it seems, to what the gut actually wants. Yeah, exactly. The gut's right. really controlling the, the main. Yeah, body. yeah. And as I was saying before too, you know, and um, a lot of you can say spiritual adepts know this, don't really speak about it, but to have solid foundations in your gut to be able to build the other kingdoms is what's important so that you can always come back to a center of knowing where your your balance state is and the moment that you start to pivot off you know well i've got protocols in place to be able to go and do these um, types of things like you can't put 
diesel in a Ferrari and expect it to be running fucking flat out. So it's it, I find that funny as well with um some I was I think I was saying before like I caught up for some people last week and you know they're they're doing really good stuff in their life with business and all the rest of it but health wise they're a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a lot of our customers we see here are the same. Kill, yeah, killing it financially, but everything else they're just shells of themselves. Um, would that be the first step you would take? You would you tell someone to take if they came to you looking to change their life? The, the first thing is to, to organize their gut health. Mm-hmm. It's you know those those types of things. Um, it fixes as, everything. It fixes the amount of people we've seen here with conditions from fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis. The ghost. We've got a we've got a doctor that we work with who specializes in gut microbiome. They go yeah. see him three weeks later. They're off half of their medication. That you know they're not sleeping all day anymore. And yeah. It's, you know, it's the cure to all that ails you these days is keeping that inflammation nice and reduced and allowing your body to actually have its natural processes, allow it to heal itself, allow it to have moments to breathe, to digest. You're not constantly just inflamed and fighting things off anymore. Oh, definitely. You know, and another key one as well, with, you know, continuing before what I was saying about with the gut, when the colon and your gut's clean and you can, you know, really get that empty and do a proper... Um, liver flush like a proper one and see what actually comes out in the bowl and you look at that and go that's been inside me for how long Mm -hmm. because if you have a look at you know the liver is storing emotions and all of those types of things if you've never really done a good liver flush your body's holding on to emotions probably from when you were you know eight nine ten eleven years old so if you've gone through some traumatic experiences they're still running around in your nervous system and through that type of um you know healing journey with the gut can start to open up some of the things you need to work on in your heart and then be able to move through that and then you know obviously come up to the to the crown side of things i have a lot of people come to me that want to you know open up and have the wham bam angelic experiences and all the rest of that stuff most of the time they end up just blowing their crown chakra and end up you know being woo woo far too much i've done that where, you know, kind of skipped a couple of steps because you want to have those experiences. But when it comes down to it, having a solid foundation within your gut and getting that sorted, you're going to set yourself up for success the rest of your life. Everyone and, wants shortcuts, but you're never going to get there if your body feels miserable. Like you're, ne- you're never getting there if the rest of you is falling apart and constantly batting, battling off conditions and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's, you know, that's been the foundation of most of those ceremonies. Yeah. After you, Paul. Claire Sentience. So just yes. I think I enjoy like demystifying things. I I know that they're valid, but for a lot of people they that won't mean anything to them. So that's a way that you have like a you know that, that's a how that's how it started for me. Yeah. And and what is it? Um Claire Sentience is um we can say a, a knowing, but through that knowing there's a felt expression that goes with that and it almost unfolds a little bit for it from there without getting too woo about it, try and stay practical about it. So, you know, you can go into a room and you have that, you know, kind of funny feeling about things and you can kind of almost um, not so much predict, but you know what's going on before it's happened. That's more of a clairsentience um, type of thing where the clairaudience with um, people hearing and then 
you know, the, the third eye stuff is uh, the interesting one because there's so many different variations of that as well with um, being psychic where for me, I, I could not see at the very start, but as I kind of went through my own journey over a few years and then when my sight turned on, that was, yeah, I thought I was going fucking crazy there for a while, really, yeah start seeing different colors and energies and beings that aren't really in the room and they start to talk to you and you're like, all right, I've fucking, you know, something's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. So walk us through those things. So you're saying that the clairsentience came online when you started to get your gut. You want to- Was yeah. that pre or post Peru or- That was, that was pre Peru. Okay. Like I started to clean my act up at the beginning of 2011 mm -hmm. um, and- when I would drink, I'd almost just go to sleep, but I'd still sometimes go have some benders and stuff, but n not as much. So I set myself up really for when I got to Peru was that that was the work, you know, I wanted to really discover all that I was ever have been and, you know, essentially go on a quest to find God within yourself. So yeah, that was, that's how that really started to come on and what stepped me in really good stead for... Um, going into the psychedelic space because I'd never done psychedelics before. It was my first thing was that um, I'd l really practice being kind to my mind and not letting it kind of over-exaggerate and create these facade stories. So I uh, really worked on a lot of my own self-talk before I walked into those um, spaces where you go get to meet yourself and your maker and hear some, you know, pretty big things and drive the plastic bus as well yep well i want to hear i want to hear about the the cool experiences or you know oh, all right did cool. you did you uh did you come away from peru having garnered whatever you were yeah you were looking for like that's a pretty big a bold statement to kind of you know the fact that you yeah know, this will sound pretty tripped out but we'll go there i went to a place called amora amora which is um you know if people want to type it into google just type in peru stargate and you know the story the legends behind that were you know a story i'd heard when i was very young it just resonated with me you know and um i went there and when I got there, it was one of those moments that, you know, first time I'd been there, but I was like, I, I know this place. It, you know, something was going on within my heart, my body, had the shakes going on. And um, the the guide who was a shaman that I was with opened it up. We'd done some ceremony. And when I put my head up against the, the doorway there, I could feel like this hand come almost down into my spine and was like, doing something to my spine i was like oh cool we'll just run with this you know this is just how it's going and i'd already done a, an ayahuasca retreat so i was like okay and then it was two days later that i hired a boat and went to island of the sun and island of the moon and went to island of the sun and i walked up there to where the rock of lake titicaca is and there was um three or four um shaman around one of them was very old and um he walked straight up to me and my last name's Eagles. And he came up to me and said, oh, the Eagle, you're here, come. And I'm like, fuck. Obviously, this shaman's had a chat to him the night before, whatever. And some of the stuff he said to me, no one could have known. And then I was like, all right, cool. This is, this is getting really real now. And I went up to this rock and done an offering. And, and it was like a, I don't know, kind of a, 
a translucid computer screen had kind of opened up in front of me and these um, codes just started to come into uh, my third eye and, you know, my eyes went all googly-eyed and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool, this is, this is getting out there again. And then went to Island of the Moon and they were very specific that I was not prepared at all but they admired my courage and I'm, you know, typical Aussie thing. Ah, nah, she'll be right, mate. Well, the moment that I put one foot on that island, I was a mess. I could not fucking move. I was shaking, you know, had tears coming out of me, but I wasn't crying. I didn't know what was going on. And this lady, she would have been about five foot nothing, essentially picked me up and just dragged me to this spot and a whole bunch of craziness was going on. And I that was the first time I'd actually had a – a full out-of-body experience where I was sitting there looking at myself and these women that were like five foot nothing were actually like about eight or nine feet tall doing all types of energy work on me. And I'm like, okay, cool. We've just entered the twilight zone here. Um, and it wasn't until when I got back about five or six months later, um, I essentially turned one of my bedrooms into a temple and spent all, all my time in there essentially meditating doing all types of different stuff that I actually got to experience it was another version of myself in the past that was calling me to go to that spot to give me information and you know really got out you know way out there and I was like okay cool this is this is getting into some next level shit now and that's when the directive kind of come through that I needed to really work on healing uh, my gut and my body and not so much information essentially, but breadcrumbs were set up for me to kind of follow and just to trust my innate knowing and synchronicities as they come to go, don't ignore them, follow them. And um, yeah, sometimes I'll, you know, pretty out there, but kind of went through it. There was a few times where I went to the post office and had crystals and shit like that taped on me because I'd forgotten about them. So, you know, as far as it went out there, like I had a good crack at it, but they were just some of those things there and that were like, well, the the definitions of what I thought was possible to be having those types of experiences to be like, all right, cool. But my environment when I come home was that, I didn't have many friends that I could be sharing those types of experiences with. So I essentially, you know, locked myself off for a period of time. And, um, you know, that was my life for a long period of time, you know, day in, day out. It was, you know, I was treating it like I was a prize fighter, like, it, all right. So, you know, the other thing with that too is my plan was to come back from Peru, spend about six or seven months, do that, and then maybe, you know, start a business or walk into another corporate job that ended up being, what, six and a half years years later, you know, going through that experience. And as, you know, what Nick was saying earlier was that um, I'd been, um, I'd spent a fair bit of time with some, um, people that were, you know, spent 20, 30 years in, in the occult. So I had some um, decent people I could share information with. Um, and when my st sight started to come on, I was able to help out some people that were in, you know, really bad spots. Um, and I, I went into that space. It got pretty dark there for a while because that's essentially the only work that I was doing. I became the... Uh, the the 
healer's kind of go-to when it became the too hard basket. And it breaks your heart to see some people that um, have essentially been discarded from certain things when they've actually got some pretty serious spiritual shit going on. And to be able to help them out as much as possible was was reward, but it also breaks your heart of the circumstances that a lot of lot of people are in. I know there's a lot of um, folks out there that you know probably go, oh, it's a bit of bullshit and stuff like that. But it's um yeah, it's it's not it's not cool when you're able to kind of see and feel those those kind of things going on. It's you know it's um yeah, it breaks your heart. It does. So in terms of seeing other beings and that type of thing, yeah. when did that was that uh a regular thing was it kind of overlaid onto the room that you're in or was it you know were you in another dimension talk to us about how that yeah, kind cool. of it started was it something you controlled or it just happened you know haphazardly or it started off as controlled um the techniques that i was using at the start was with uh, a candle predominantly for astral projection so i could jump in and jump out and um and then when it started to get to was more, I'd focus my third eye on things and then be able to see colors and understand. And then it kind of got to a point where I was doing a lot of um, a lot of dream type of exercises and um, like Nazi-like on that was setting my clock for, you know, predominantly when, you know, those key times were and then to wake up and then have a recording going on that you're awaking your dream, you're awaking your dream, you're awaking your dream. And then kind of got to one day I essentially went to bed at night and woke up in another version of myself and was kind of playing in that but they were that other version was doing what it had to do I was kind of like just sitting in the passenger seat watching what was going on and then you know things started to really open up from there and then it got to a point where um, it was just after my birthday in 2013 that yeah, just started seeing things through the eyes that, you know, be seeing over the room, what you were saying, like an overlay of things. And then that's when I've actually thought I was going fucking insane because you're hearing multiple different voices and yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, once again, I was lucky that I was able to have some mentors that had gone through a similar thing and then go from there. And it really came back down to the, what we we're speaking about earlier with the gut stuff. Cause if I didn't have that, sorted um yeah i reckon i would have been one of those people that unfortunately get locked up for being a bit too loony and would you say it was a, like a help or a hindrance to your normal life like how did you did it how did you make it work for you or was it distracting or was it a process that kind of over time you if i was in a daily if i was at a job uh yeah it would have been destructive but for what I would, well, what I was doing at that time was essentially 100% committed to doing the magnus opus, which is the great work of just continually going, see how far the rabbit hole could go. Um, that was that. So for me, it was similar to what I was saying before that it, it, I was after a remembrance rather than a, a relearning or learning. So I was really just going for a process of not just detoxing myself, but detoxing everything that I'd ever learned from anybody. Because as far as I'd seen at that time, it was all bullshit. It was all other people's opinions, beliefs, and ideas. They might have been right or wrong, but a part of me had taken that on just through a matter of, oh, I've got trust with someone. 
So I really went to audit and to town on myself and kind of was like, well, is that really real? Do I know it to be real? Well, I don't. So let's have a look at that again. Yeah. And so just when the site opened up, that's where I was able to kind of go, okay, cool. And, you know, other things started to open up where I was able to read other people's um, kind of soul lineage, where they've originally come from or read the Akashic records. So, but before I did that on anybody, I went to town on myself and yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And is that something that's still functional today? Is it, yeah. can you turn it on and on off like a tap? It's always on, um, just with now being a lot more grounded here in um, the physical with, you know, getting back into business and um, becoming a bit more part of society rather than being a hermit or recluse. It's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's always there. So taking what you, you learned in Peru and what you saw in Peru and experienced in Peru and sort of the person that you've become today, how's yeah. that affected your, your life in business now that you've gone back into that world a little bit, yeah. now that you sort of, Know, getting your feet wet again how how has that changed how you how you do business and how you how you operate in that sphere now yeah definitely for me now it's really about the equivalent exchange mm-hmm. you know with what um with whatever's being put on the table is that there is an equivalent exchange and actually having the the conversations about um where people are really at whether they're really aligned and what needs to take place there to actually not just have a business deal or a business discussion, but to have it to be a a co-creative and collaborative space where everyone's going to be mutually beneficial, mutually benefited from um, each other's energy and to be able to walk away from that having a an uplifting and an empower, empowered experience from each other. So you find you, you'll be more selective with who you work with now and that sort of thing, look out for yourself a little bit more, not just not just in it for the money, I guess. There's more moral reasons behind things and that sort of thing. Or? Yeah, definitely. For me now, the even the equivalent exchange with my relationship with money is that for me, money now is is predominantly a permission slip for me to go and do more things creatively so rather than looking at things from a material basis which we all do is to go oh okay you know the, the more money that I'm going to be able to hold energetically because really what we understand now through quantum and all the rest of it is that how you do emotions is how you do business and your business is an energetic representation of yourself so if you're really aware of who you are, you can see through the bullshit and it's up to you whether you want to hang around and speak with those cats or not because there's always more meat on the bone at the table. And if you want to be doing business with people just for the sake of it, well, maybe you just need to have a really, I wouldn't say hard look, but have a look at your own values and what you actually stand for in that space. And we're coming more and more into that you know, every week now where the old ways of doing things where it's, you know, there's not a mutual exchange there. It's kind of needs to be done this way or that way. It's, it's just not apparent anymore. And the, the veils of illusion are really lifting. We can all see through bullshit. It's up to us whether we want to participate in it or not. Cause everything's an invitation. So you can go, okay, do I want to play or not? Mm-hmm. And do you think that people are waking up as a, 
Sorry, do you think people are waking up as a society or do you think this is a side effect of having the internet and everyone's just more aware of what's going on and more connected all or a little it. bit of both all of it the fact that we're not it, no one's really eating cornflakes for breakfast anymore or is it just is it a combination of these things i've i've reckoned all of it because even yeah, well business wise we'll see it we'll, we'll see it like this you can do a post on a video post on social media now that can get 20 million views in in no time yeah, and then the television structures are still pushing out shit, mm-hmm. um, and they're getting no bite now. Mm-hmm. And through social media, and even discussions of like this podcast and all the rest of it, people are now allocating more time to choosing what information they want to take on. Mm-hmm. Now that there is the first part of really taking an empowerment step within yourself is actually fueling your mind of what you want to, rather than sitting down, reading a newspaper or watching a television, actually sitting down and allocating your own empowerment to what actually is it that I'm going to choose to listen to or I want to know about. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It it's really is. That long, long form discussion that comes with things like podcasting and it, it, it's a complete game changer. I was reading yesterday the medium age of people that watch watch network television news now is something like sixty three years old. Yeah, is, is the middle age. It's 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 pretty much useless. It's it's sort of in its death throes these days. And you're looking at sort of news sources like podcasting and things like that, where people are really getting their information. And I think that leaves people a lot more aware of pitfalls in life, pitfalls in business, who's shady, who's not. That's that's much more obvious these days. Whereas before, you're used to seeing five-minute clips on TV and everything was lies and nothing was really genuine and it was much harder to sort of perceive that in real life. Yeah, this is an interesting one to throw out there. There's The change happened for me and there's a few others that have been playing with, seen the same thing in Australia around January this year, that there's actually a divide now between being professional and being really fucking real. Because if you're really real, you can be honest and you don't need to know all the answers. If you can be really honest and go, you know what? I actually don't know that right now, mm-hmm. but what I can tell you is based off this rather than spinning some bullshit thing that's like, oh, I know this and coming from a very egotistic way. That's where the the middle ground really is at now. And the more people that are understanding that, the um, the vulnerability in being really real and honest is really a returning to, or f- you know, my understanding of it anyway, is a real returning of the essence of who we are to actually have a real conversation about what's going on in your inner world, you know, what's going on in there um, and being able to move in those different spaces through linguistics or whatever needs to happen to create a, a nurtured space for us to actually have a deeper connection because that's all what we're really seeking here at this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that even in um, the way you interact with salespeople these days, that that, orig- that car salesman sort of, you go to JB Hi-Fi, no one's pushy anymore, no one's, you know, it, that that tackiness is gone because people can see straight through it these days. And that's, that's a very recent, that's a very, very recent development. Yeah. You, you won't, you won't see those pushy sale tactics anymore. So it's just, it doesn't work anymore. And that's, that's been a switch that's been flicked overnight. People have just woken up to it. So yeah, they definitely. Push. It's really now about invitational marketing, you know, invite someone to actually come in and see how they feel about 
your brand, your business or whatever your offering product or service really is. It's, um, we're all innately um, connected and we're all energetic beings. And what I was saying before, you know, it's the, the smoke screens and the bullshit artists are being really found out now and they can continually doing their spin doctor stuff. But at the end of the day, they're going to be caught with egg on their face because they just don't have the balls really to actually lay on their sword. Mm. It's fucking tough to do that. It, is, it really is. You're looking really at is. death throes for all of that, I think, for around most of society. Like you're seeing it everywhere, news, sales, just have a look politics. At our fucking, yeah, just have a look at politics. Yeah, politics none of those, none of those dickheads are ever going to lay on their sword and just keep spinning bullshit. But the sad thing about it is though, the whole country knows that. Everyone around the world knows that there's been doctors and they still believe their own bullshit. I find it How many hilarious. more election cycles can possibly happen like that? Like there's only a generation or two more that are going to put up with that style of voting and that style of election cycle and the lies and the nonsense. It's, again, it's probably in its, in its last sort of last sort of days. And the, the whole world seems to be waking up for that. So Yeah, definitely. Um, there's actually a really interesting um, business within Melbourne, uh, um, Horizon State, yeah. and what they are—they're a crypto, um, you know, crypto that you've heard within like you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum. But they've got a technology built to um, allow governance and for allow for societies to actually make votes. And they're actually involved with the gun control in the US, where the fact they're just going—they're they, moving forward with a, you know, um, a project at the moment where they're allowing everyone through a pod. A successful podcast guy created this movement around let's just make the vote and then have have all the data there. So, long story short, there's a company here in Melbourne which is leading the way actually internationally for online governance and yeah. moving away that voting can actually be done and we can all make decisions on certain things without these these people in play. Yeah, blockchain technology that that's where that's where it's at. Everyone's got their um got their say and can you know have a look at what's really fucking going on. It's brilliant. Well, it's brilliant for us. Yes. It's terrifying for uh, anyone in any position of power at the moment. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you're seeing a lot of banks take on blockchain now and it's getting corrupted. And a few months ago, Bitcoin had a massive, a massive crash. They bought something like $120 million worth of Bitcoin at once just to crash the system. Yeah. Looks like it was done intentionally just to try and keep it unstable and, and messy. Because as soon as that gets stabilized, you know, it's game over for a lot of these things, voting, finance yeah definitely it's, it's all in the people's hands then yeah which i guess is a very uh you know positive way to look at the future but fingers crossed i guess yeah who needs to watch home and away just keep your eyes on that stuff it's like home and away still even on is that still a fair <laughs> <laughs> i reckon so you reckon what you're saying oh, a few minutes ago is relevant to our business too in terms of not being able to <clears throat> hide your agenda as easily anymore um and just sales, what you were saying as well, Kai, because it's it's an element of our business where the floating business beyond rest. I mean, we to make money and to do well, we need memberships. We need people to kind of make floating a regular thing. Yeah, and to get people into our doors, we need to market, and we use Facebook. And there's ways that you know there's there's a sales element, or there's a, there's a you know how do you make someone feel comfortable enough to be a member? How do we reach out and get an audience in the door but also still be aligned to our principles and it's something that we've had some pretty direct discussions about because we want kind of all all the elements of our business to kind of align yeah um how do you see you know the likes of facebook for you know 
paying advertising. You know, where do you think all of Defin- those things? Are? How do you how do you find your feet? How do you find that balance between? Well, we need to we need to reach an audience, but we also need to do it with integrity. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's basically been my my jam over the past few months, having uh, lots of different discussions, and it's coming down to really now is that uh, you know, video is the way, but broadcasting engaging content that's actually showcasing, um, you know, your ethos and your mission and what you're actually standing for as a, as a brand and a company now and creating that invitation for someone to actually come on board and support that. And those different dynamics there is that we've, we've been sold to way too much and it's gotten to a point now where we actually like to buy but we don't like being sold to. But if we're gaining information or even marketing material that is showcasing the the benefits and the engagement and the culture of a business we're going to align with that because it's like okay cool i'll i see this all right here's an invitation here i'm actually going to to walk in there and maybe give this a go like you know these people's don't just seem honest, like everything that they're doing is their ethos and their mission and set upon their values. Like they're straight up, they're legit. You know, I'll go and, you know, spend some time or my my money with these guys because I feel congruent with what they're saying. It's those underlying messages now because I think, well, and the, the data's there to back this up as well, is that um, it was a study that Qantas did, um, I'll, write it down can put it in notes or whatever like that but Qantas actually done you know paid thousands or lots of money for it to find out whether people would actually pay a little bit extra on their airfares if Qantas went um renewable with yeah like essentially green with all of their stuff come back 86 I think it was 80 80 something percent yes and there's been a lot of other studies like that that have been done worldwide where that information is coming back with the exact same same. So that's saying that people will actually spend that little bit extra if they know a business or the culture of an environment is actually doing those types of, those one percenters that make a, make a difference. So being able to showcase the values, the culture, ethos and mission in a in a way that's you know sexy, cool, and creative, people will jump at. Yeah, some points got some uh, <laughs> things to take away there. <laughs> well, I think that's something we do pretty well at beyond beyond us. Like as compared to other other centers in Melbourne, we're definitely the most genuine, and that it's something I do here. And I know you guys do in Collingwood as well. Everyone is exactly who they are outside of work while they're at work. There's no artificial conversations being had no one's being lied to no one's putting on fake voices or being polite out of you know out of necessity it's all because they genuinely want to be and that that shines through people trust us here because of that people you know they you build real relationships and people can feel those they're actually they're actually friends not customers after a while because it's it's a it's a human to human relationship while they're here it's not a you know, worker to, to custom relationship. Most places you go, they're, they're still strapped that you can see a lot of play. Like you go to Lululemon, for example, it's a very similar vibe. You walk in there, everyone's chill, everyone's cool. There's no formalities and they're, they're killing it. And you look fast foods trying to take that turn. They're trying to get a bit less formal now and everyone's sort of slipping on the ice a little bit, trying to find their footing. But you know, I think we do a pretty, a pretty good job here of, uh, of fostering those genuine 
human connection. Mm, I agree. You, you guys tick a few really key boxes that mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know. So they can hear it on this podcast is the joint's aesthetically beautiful. And yeah, Nick, you know, you got me to come in and set the place up energetic, the energetic environment, right? So when people are actually coming in, the things are able to leave. Like I've been to a couple of float centers and I actually didn't end up going in there because it's, there's no kind of energetic hygiene being put in place, but the way that you've gone and built these places and all the rest of it, that's been put into the actual planning of the space. So, you know, it's a big tick in in, in a box for me too. Yeah, none of us are really energetic. I'm not. None of my staff are, are, are trained in that sort of sphere, but everyone's at least aware of it as well. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things we do get a lot of here is a lot of energetic uh, – energetic releases a lot yeah. of guys coming out very emotional when they never thought they would be a lot of you know grumpy old men coming out in tears a lot of people seeing things they didn't think they would see out-of-body experiences so having people at least aware that that's something that happened and can be sympathetic or can sort of talk people through those has been invaluable for us and that's something you hear our customers have gone to other centers complain about that there's a lack of understanding or a lack of you know, emotional emotional availability for those sort of experiences, sort of just brushed off and thrown to the yeah. wayside. And you know, it's the last thing you kind of want if you get something like that out of the blue when you're not expecting it. Yeah, definitely. You want that little bit of understanding and, and calmness. But I think it's an interesting discussion, like that balance around energetic hygiene. Um, how you know how how deeply you get into that. Um, yeah. I think for me, an analogy or something from today's talk, which is relevant to the point I'm making now, is what you said about your sister's cake. Yeah. In the sense that, yeah, you can set up a space to have a certain alignment and you can use stones and whatnot, and it will have a, an effect on some level. Yeah. Um, in just the same way that you can create an organic high energy content you know, a lot of aliveness in the food and it will have a, an effect on your body. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that if your sister is making that cake with her heart and soul, you're going to feel fantastic after you eat it. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. If you're eating it in that spirit. Yeah. And in the same breath, yeah, we can have things set up in the centers and have stones and rocks and I'm not against that because I love crystals. And, yeah. But... I feel that you can get completely carried away with it. And it's yeah. more about how's Kai feeling in the center? What, how, you know, how comfortable is he in his own skin today? And if he's feeling good about his life and, you know, he's getting a lot of joy from his dog and happy in his relationship, then that, that's going to radiate through the center. 100%, 100%. And it's a million times more powerful or impactful than any rock in the corner and any energetic template that could have been overlaid onto yeah. the space what's your yeah 100 percent. you know the environment's key and we are the let's put it this one without going too woo woo it's it's our state that is going to um impact someone else's so you know exactly what you're saying if someone's coming in they're having a shit day and they're interfacing with customers with that level of um where they're at, they're, they're essentially, you know, bringing their their own shit up to the forefront. But when someone can just give you a smile, it's that can change someone's day. 
more so than when someone cuts you off in a car, you know. So yeah, you, you bang on the mark there. Bang yeah, on. I, I mean, I think following on from that point, I don't know what you guys think, but if Kai is having a crap day, for me as a customer, for me as a business partner, an associate, I just still want him to be himself yep. in the space. I don't want him to pretend or to, you know, I think, I feel, yeah, like ideally you want to be in an elevated, joyful space and share that. Next best is just being true to how the hell you're feeling right now yeah, and not trying to pretend that, you know, and not getting overly worried about, oh, am I, you know, is this person taking on my sadness? Am I, you know, am I spreading this kind of through the center? I feel like, yeah, if you can be happy and joyous, who's not going to take that? Yeah. But if you're having a shit day, you're having a shit day. You know, you're not going to be rude to someone, but it's okay. You know, he's not going to be Mr. Smiley. And I think that's probably not something that would necessarily be something that a lot of people agree with, especially when they're having these type of discussions. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that or that's just my opinion. Like, what, what do you guys think of that? No, 100%. Otherwise, it's, it just comes across as artificial. Anything else just is fake and they can they can see it anyway. They know you're miserable anyway and you're, just, you're, you're faking being polite for their sake. And that personally makes me feel guilty. If if it's morals reverse, and I walk in somewhere and see they don't want to be there, you feel terrible about it. You don't you know you don't want to hang around. You don't want to have a conversation with them. You just want to get out of their hair and and leave. It's yeah. very hard to fake genuine. You know, it's very hard to fake that those sort of acting happy when you're when you're miserable and that sort of thing. And people see through it, and that's a paradigm shift. You know, most most businesses you go, most cafes you go into, the staff are all hungover and miserable so you know the more that the more that shifts and the more that changes and you're seeing a lot that a lot of that in melbourne around businesses because a lot of the lot of the people are very forward thinking very progressive business owners and i i think that'll be the the way of the future you won't see that sort of corporate drones everyone looks the same everyone's in uniform everyone's you know greeting people they don't you know just acting acting like drones i think that's a thing of the past Hmm. And you'd be mad to start a business and think that way these days. You know, you'd, you'd be absolutely insane to start and everyone's suited up and ties and greeting people the second they walk through the door and that sort of thing. It just it comes across as comes across as fake. And if you when you travel to places, you travel to poorer countries, like you travel to places in Asia now, and they're just starting to pick up on that. They're, they're just starting to to start that sort of droney like everyone's starting to get in uniform and it's all very formal and everyone's english is this weird particular way and it all feels very artificial now because they're you know 12 15 years behind us but and, and it just doesn't work and it's glaringly obvious when you go there so melbourne reconnect is the, is the name of the podcast yeah. um in terms of a bit of a glossary of terms in your language what is what is what is being connected and what is feeling disconnected in in your world how does that sort of what does that mean to you yeah cool i'll i'll go i'll go a couple of different ways with this one where through my experience and and i'll just take that people can take what they want from it is that quite a lot of my life i felt a, a disconnection from something not sure what it was or couldn't quite put my finger on it or anything like that. And then when I could understand and have an ex- my own experience, not just from a belief but from a knowing and a bit of remembrance that this body that I'm in is actually made of the earth 
and I have an innate connection to her and she has an innate connection to the sun and all the rest of that goes on. I just try and keep it there because you go out there, you, you can be out there for a few years like what happened to me. But you become more than what you actually think you are as an individual, individualized state of all that is, you know, playing itself out. So by being able to be relatable with other people that, you know, on a quantum level are an extension of yourself and be able to maneuver in those types of spaces even if someone triggers you in a way well there's a part of you that you can do some you know shadow work or mirror work with if you want or not but the ideas of uh, that there being the connective state is you know what I would really put on onto that and reconnecting to that um so much philosophy but that understanding of my own experience and remembrance is you know something that I remind myself constantly because it's very easy to just um, get caught up with this person done this to me therefore I need to act in this particular way rather than just you know maybe be the observer have a breath and go yeah now's not the time to be having that discussion with myself because there's an there's an emotional charge that's just going to separate me from any type of fucking learning and predominantly make an ass of myself most of the time. And then, yeah, that that's that's how I'll probably answer that one, man. Mm. Comments, queries on that one? i got another. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Um, just brought up interest. Oh, I find it interesting. That's why obviously I'm going to ask you the question. But um, I think when people have these type of discussions about interactions and triggering and projecting. Yeah. Um, I find it, I want to know what you think about someone else's behavior upsetting you and um, being able to confront them on that and being able to express yourself and sometimes you're going to be upset or you're going to be shitty or you're going to be angry. Yeah. The validity of that versus... I'm just projecting my own issues onto them. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because I think, you know, both kind of things get taken to the extreme. Um, you know, people just continually berating stuff that's going on outside them with no understanding that there's a reason why they're feeling a certain way. Yeah. But then I feel the reverse is true also. People kind of not going there and not being confrontational because they feel that, oh, I can I can work all this out within me yeah. in private. Have yeah. you got something to say on that? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a triple-edged sword, that one, isn't there? Two edges of a sword and then, the, you know, the blade coming down to the point in the middle. You know, I've just come out of something, you know, similar to that um, where it, where there's a victim, there's a perpetrator, and there's also a hero as well. And um, we like to switch roles pretty quickly because nobody wants to be the perpetrator. So, you know, we'll always try and put the victim hat back on. Uh, it takes a fair bit of courage to be able to sit there in a neutral state and be like, you know what, I'm I'm 50% in on this as well and I've probably done some things that have, you know, made you feel a particular way that I'm going to look at and go, well, I didn't do that. But if that person is having that experience, it needs to be at least put on the table, not to be 
taken that on fully and go, oh yeah, I'll own that 100%, but go, well, I'm not going to rob you of your experience if that's how you felt. But to be able to have a very mature discussion around emotions and hurt, it's it's a tricky, it's a really, really tricky one, you know, because um, we, as I was saying before, we, we like to put the victim hat on and go, but you did this to me and you did this to me and you did this to me. And then the other person like, but you did this. And it just becomes a fucking grand slam tennis match. Let's play Wimbledon for the next 15 years rather than going, well, what's really real in this? Is this, we still got a connection. Is there still love? There is. Okay. Well, let's create that as the foundation. And then let's just chip over the conversation one bit at a time. Because if we can understand the vulnerability of our own um, internal emotional capabilities we're able to have a, a conversation about it and be really real about it rather than kind of needing to fly the white flag or even coming to a point of justifying your own actions because someone else has gone and done this it's you know it's it's a tough one you bring up a, a huge point because it really comes down to the emotional intelligence mm. to understand like well you know what i actually am not in a state right now to be beneficial to have this conversation I know that you might want to, but right now I, I'm not in the emotional state to actually have that. Maybe we do it in another way because we want to do things the way that we want to sometimes. Oh, I need to sort this out right now and it needs to look like this, 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 and this. Well, we're going in there with a whole heap of emotional charge that's just, where's that going to? So it's, yeah, the emotional capacity of you being able to have a conversation truly and kind of go, well, yeah, I, I'm in on this 50%, sometimes even a little bit more. It's hard because you have to lay on your sword. Nobody wants to fucking do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I find that fascinating just in the way it plays out in my life. Um, you can sort of second guess yourself of the fact that there's just some issues that need resolving and, and you know, um, interactions sometimes get a little bit messy, not in a overtly nasty way, but I think, you know, occasionally – we want things neatly tied up in a bow and you want to be able to go and sleep on it and then both meet each other when you're perfectly balanced and then it's great and you meet heart to heart. But I think a lot of the time it's just not possible. Like I feel you really see the ugliness inside yourself and what's not resolved in yourself when arguments degenerate before your eyes, you know, and you sometimes need to go away and just be able to say, shit, you know, that was inappropriate or you got to take your medicine and you've always, you know, you can always say sorry um, as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's just something that in my life I, I find fascinating, you know, that balance between being in the right place to try and resolve an issue yeah. and also the fact that sometimes, you know, what is the right place? This has just got to play out and as long as it doesn't get too, you know, disrespectful, then... You know, sometimes life's a little bit messy, so. Yeah, definitely. You guys, any any interest in, in, in any points on that at all or move on? Move on? Cool. Um, yeah, just going back to the um, conscious business side of things because yeah. obviously I love business and obviously, yeah, spend most of my time trying to, yeah, build an authentic business, which is really challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah, with us trying to, you know, go forward through, you know, f through our vision of what we're trying to do with the float centers and, 
um, you know, live our values, which I think we talked about. Authentic connections is one, so which Paul and Kai have, um, you know, touched on there. But in terms of you walk into a business, what do you what do you say to that business to turn, you know, let's say there's a small business in Melbourne somewhere around, like what are you doing to get involved to kind of change them within to out to actually put their message out there so that they actually get a better response for their business? Yeah, cool. It's, you know, big, it's a big one, but predominantly first thing that um, I won't say I challenge people on, but is to get them to explain their ethos, what they're actually in business for. Because sometimes what someone started to go into business at the start with, it can change as they grow. And that there becomes their brand voice. And is that being communicated directly to their customers or even to the market? So to create that congruency and consistency in their messaging and the way that their their values are um, so much spun out as well, but how their values are able to be um, taken into account that this is a business that actually is an entity. It is a living, breathing person that has a mission, has goals, has an ethos, has a language that it is able to speak and it offers an experience if you want to come and communicate with it. So understanding taking people on that journey and coming into an alignment with that is similar to what I was saying before, you know, a a business is an energetic representation of the people that are in it and predominantly its builder and its brand. And we all go through um, changes and sometimes the business does and it gets to a point where it's like actually um, not communicating all that well to my customers or to my market. So do I need to work on my language? And then, okay, do I need to dress a little bit better? Do what? What is it that's actually congruent with where I'm moving to in my next little bit of a journey, whether that be a year, a two years, or three months, and being really on path with what that is, and having the flexibility as well to go. I'm not just going to lock myself in a corner, and this is how it's going to be because the way things are right now, things are changing so quickly. And if you're able to see something that is a little bit just further ahead and you're like, you know what, we can actually make a little bit of an adjustment here to position ourselves in a particular way that we're going to be able to be heard and heard correctly by people. Because then when, you know, nothing's ever changed with that. The best, you know, the best marketing is someone else's experience of your business And if they're speaking to somebody in the language that you've presented to them, your ethos and your mission and all of that is coming congruent and it's come from that entity that you've created. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, that's something that, you know, we're we're trying to strive for within the business. I think we do a reasonable job at it, like in terms of what we do, but, you know, looking at kind of where where we can go and, and move forward from there. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely one thing that changes, you know, always around and one thing, yeah, everything's massively changing at all times and we just have to flow with, okay, this works, now that doesn't work and this doesn't work. But at, at the same stage, obviously, your ethos and, you know, that that message just needs to be constantly consistent. But then for someone coming in, having their first float, for example, they're not really going to be 
we're not going to give them this really detailed message about how we're going to raise consciousness or anything like that. They're coming in for stress relief and yeah. all that kind of thing. So there's a different message depending on the life cycle of that particular person. But I won't get too much into the business, business technical sides of things. But um, for me, that's reconnection to, to my path in life in the, the business detail sides. However, um, yeah, it's just something I find fascinating. I just find it really interesting, your journey going from, you know, corporate jockey to tripped out cat to conscious business. Tell us about where you're at now. Like you, you're coaching, you've got a coaching website. Um, I've, I haven't been doing that for a while. Okay. Yeah. Just been on a monster healing journey. So, um, I was still helping out people that were, um, you know, essentially being thrown to the side with some of their woo-woo shit that was going on. But from a mentoring, coaching thing, I just put that on the side because I just didn't have the emotional capacity to hold space the way that I um, set myself the level to. And I like to be congruent within myself with that. So, but over the past, uh, since the start of a year, been building C Creative, which is a conscious consulting and digital agency. So, yeah, just building that to a point now where, um, yeah, just had a soft launch and um, got a few clients that on the go at the moment and start to move out into some um, different areas where be doing, you know, business growth immersions where, you know, essentially come in, have a look underneath the hood of your business and, you know, work with people to get things really set up. So, you know, one term is to be able to scale but to give themselves a bit of a business detox and go, okay, cool, these are the things that, we don't really need to be spending time and energy on and here is our progressional path forward that is in a um in an alignment with where we want to go look i've been in the consulting world as well so you can walk in there and you've essentially got oh yes i'm just going to pull out this process and system here and plug this in and you know do all of that wing whiz bang shit but when you can work with someone and understand where they're at and where their heart is and how they want to present themselves and what it is that's going to get them up at 100% and be like, yeah, I'm I'm fully committed in. And it's their process that they've been a part of and they can take that and own it. For me, that's really important for me now is to be able to work with people and they can um, essentially have their own empowerment business journey on their own terms and they can, you know, give us a call or they want to, you know, do some JVs or work together and all the rest of those beautiful things. It's great. It's similar to saying before, you know, it's being able to have a um, a beautiful break, bread discussion on the table where it's like, look, you might not have been doing these things all that well, but you didn't know what you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. Let's forget about that. Let's just get you ready because, you know, we don't like um, having our own ass kicked but we will kick our own ass 10 times more than that. So if we can get those discussions straight off the table and just get people aligned and go, look, let's play to your strengths and where your weaknesses are at, let's just fine-tune them and, you know, business empowerment's where it's at. Awesome. Yeah. Are you up for – feel free to say no, but when you were saying before about, you know – Reading people, yeah. having what do you want to know? What do you want to know? Overall Paul? pattern. Are you up for a demo? Can we take uh, Nicky yeah, Dunn? Can, we can, can go. you give us a little? Can you give us a little third eye blind on him? You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just give you know, give us a 
yeah, give cool. us an insight into yeah, cool. I, I, speak from that space if you yeah yeah can you can pull me apart if you want I'm, all right I'm cool okay. well I'll explain it like this you know it's um you can go and see fortune tellers and they'll sit there and you know tell you not so much what you want to hear but they're gaining a perspective on things with reading the akash and other things need it's it's easy if there's a bit more context and there's um there's a play in it because usually when someone's got something that they want to know a little bit more about it's more of a permission slip for other things to come in place just and quickly also, yeah, the akash records what is that for people that got no idea okay um think of the akashic records as uh, a library of earth and Every planet has one, um, even the sun does as well. So all of your journeys here on Earth and future as well, because we're actually creating our past and future from this now present moment, interacting with different versions of ourselves. That gets all fucking twisted up and stuff, but it's fact. So certain people are able to really read them and i'll say this because it's you know my experience of it there's maybe about 12 to 15 people on the planet that can actually read direct from the akash i can't do that i can only like kind of stream and things open up and it's like following a a little bit of a passage of what is kind of opened up where there's people that can just go essentially open up the book and just spit it out and you sit there and you're like all right cool that's that's a pretty cool trick but a lot of them have um have some health issues because there's just so much of that energy running through them all the time and you know when you spend that much time out there which i've just gone and done it's um yeah it's not all that fun all the time so what do you what would you like to, what would you like to know paul going to use a little Nikki Dunnan over here as a bit of a test case. All right, yeah, a bit, just, of, a, a yeah, bit of a test just case. Follow the follow the thread on him, or just kind of give it give your musings from that place. If you yeah, cool. You dare. Well, what what's uh, what's at the forefront of your your wanting to know at the moment, Nick? Um, what do I want to know at the moment? Um, hmm, good question. Um, in terms of where I'm at within myself, it's probably more looking, if I look at the bigger picture of my life, yep. I charge through brick walls like no tomorrow. So yep. I'm very masculine and very, um, yeah, very masculine driven, but at the same time, I really need to open my heart. So in yep. terms of I'm very much in my head more than my heart, yep. obviously I've been playing around with stuff for 10 years in the metaphysical sides of things, but still at the end of the day, I'm still very much head driven and you know my purpose in life really my inner purpose is to kind of open my heart from what i've got from downloads over the past so in terms of that statement what, yeah what are you seeing or what do you right, we'll, more? we'll go we'll go galactic and then we'll, we'll bring it down you're pulling on a lot of orion threads at the moment so the orion system has been um you know it's a it's so much a, a war system but it has been it's been clear, cleared up but it's very dominant with with the mind there and a lot of different species which you're really aligned with is that's that kind of journey of this um this time for yourself is not so much being able to drop into your heart but being able to express from it so what actually have you done that's actually lit you up a little bit that you've had an experience with be able to find those breadcrumbs and then play around with those 
that's going to be medicine for you and for yourself as well. It's more um, more physical side of activities that light you up. I think we've, you know, would have touched on this before, you know, actually funny enough, go for a run with the footy and, you know, have a kick and those, those types of things of being able to not so much go back and visit the past, but things that used to light you up are going to be able to give you the capacity to be able to express from that physically. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to do so, it's just going to be able to stop the noise and be in your body a little bit more. Like even when was the last time you went dancing, dude? Yeah, I used to like a dance actually, but I'd always be uh, quite intoxicated at the time when I would, <laughs> you know, back in the clubs in the day. But yeah, when I was intoxicated probably, like yeah, last time that, of dance that's years one ago. Thing, one thing I can ago. tell you right now, if you were to go, you know, I don't know what they are, the five rhythms dances or whatever they are where there's no talking, people just roll up and dance and lose their shit on the dance floor, that's medicine for you. Those types of movements, it's, that's where, where it's really at for you at the moment, those physical activities. Yeah. And the rest of the the noise that's going on in in your mind, that will start to come into the volume. The so much the synchronicities because you get a lot already, but more of the perchance opportunities that you just your awareness is just missing out on at the moment. You're able you'll be able to relax into them, and a lot more flow will just be able to move through you rather than being tense up in up in the body. Yeah. Because, you know, we've spoken before about it as well. Cause you used to be really fit at one stage. And um, men and women, if they've had um, predominantly in their teenage to early 20, if they've been at an elite fitness type level and it's not so much there now, they've still got that memory of it and their body's able to carry a lot more oxygen. And when it's in that state you're able to move a lot more fluidly because you're moving more into an intuitive and instinctive state with the body. So it's a, it's like an, an interesting one for you over there, champ. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I'll finish him off. So yeah, just the dancing side of things and anything physical activity is going to be the breadcrumbs to be able to move into those spaces. Bowl, bowling bounces at Medhurst in the net. Well, you That'd know, be fun. funny, funny enough. Like, you enjoyed but, that. I did. Yeah, he, he pulled me for six. <laughs> <laughs> Top edge, mate, or you got the middle of the bat? I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's those types of things there, you know. Um, you know, I threw all of that away as well. It wasn't until last year where I, I couldn't run at all and I used to run a lot where I fucking just I missed it so much and to be able to have that back, it's, it's a blessing. But, you know, like with you, Paul, you've been at that, you know, elite um, level. We've been fit for a, a long period of time and played on instinct. You've got that innate in your body. Your mm. body knows it. To be able to put itself into those spaces again is just going to give you a little bit more relaxed state from the mind to actually be instinctive with your own way that you're walking through life rather mm. than did I just see that or not actually living in the moment because you, you've been there and played at it. So, mm. You know, awesome training for it. For sure. Mm. So we're pulling your part now or what, mate? Yeah, I'm happy to. For yeah. sure. Do you need a little bit of a yeah. primer? Well, you, you were saying before um, uh, about, about your body. You you want to go into that or you want to do that offline? Um, ooh, maybe offline that one. All right. Cool. Um, 
do you need me to sort of pry, to sort of give you pump it a little bit to kind of, or are you feeling you want to just go for? Oh, it? I can go can go straight there. But if you've got some stuff that's um, that's contextual from a physical point of view, we mm. can go straight there. Yeah, yeah, okay, go for it. Yeah, cool. For a, a period of time now, you've been um, moving a lot of emotional debris out of your field, and it's staying just on the outside. And the kind of movement with your your spine in particular, it's kind of moving forwards and backwards where if you're able to kind of have a little bit more shoulder and hip roll in it, mm. it's going to be able to lengthen yourself energetically and be able to pulse and it just be a little bit more from a moving capacity within yourself just to take some pressure off what you've got going on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's relevant. Yeah, and your ankles as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I'm drawn to that type of, you know, without getting, oh, yeah, I'll go into it. I mean, that, you know, Sufi kind of movement. I don't know if you're yep. aware of that. Yeah. I, I wasn't really aware of it up until a couple of months ago, but I just feel sort of drawn to that type of music. And um, I do my own type of spontaneous dance very regularly. I have for a number of years, but yeah. it has taken on more of a, you know, that type of. Yeah. Left yeah, to right, rocking type thing. So sounds yeah. all very strange, but to put it in a normal context, I think everyone moves their body. I think easy thing for me is just to get up, put my joggers on and have a run, and I do that very regularly. But there's other types of movement and things that I like to do in my body that I'm coming into more now that just feel very me and they are in line with kind of what you've said with that kind of sideways. Yeah, it's also strengthening your, you can say your base chakra, but the bottom of your spine for more energy to be able to be running through those those areas. Like, you know, you, you said on the on the podcast before, so, you know, it's not like a cheating or anything, but you've actually gone and done a fair bit of work. Mm. Yeah, so, but you're still doubting yourself with a little bit of that. And with these types of exercises and a little bit more movement, and even some energy exercises, which I'll, I'll show you when we're offline, that you start to do them and start to feel it. And with the experiences that you had of being at Elite Fitness, just that instinctive knowing will just start to go boom. Beautiful. Kai, interested at all? Yeah, shoot. Shoot. <laughs> <sighs> One tick, man. Take your time. How much relaxing do you do, mate? <laughs> Plenty. Um, look, I genuinely, I probably spend most of my time pretty, pretty chilled out. Yeah. At the moment, you know, not so much. I'm a little bit caffeinated. It's been a bit of a day before this, but yeah. No, there's plenty of down. My downtime is probably my most precious thing to me. Like I, I put a huge value on free time. A huge, like you'd never get me working where I've got to do an hour-long commute. I'm not getting paid for it or anything like that. I spent a lot of – and I'm trying to do a lot less these days as well. What are you doing when you're in that time? In that time? Yeah. Just got a new puppy. So it's a lot of a lot of puppy stuff, and I do a lot of jiu-jitsu, which is sort of my my happy place. Okay. How much reading do you do? Not nearly enough. What books have been jumping out at you? Recently, we've got um, Compass – and the nail, which I haven't actually read yet, I've just yep. just received it. I used to be I'm used to be an avid fiction reader, yep. not so much uh, nonfiction stuff in mm -hmm. 
in my early 20s stuff. I do a lot of podcasts listening. I want a lot of audio books still, but actually physically reading has been something that has been something I've been wanting to get back to for a long time, especially, especially just before bed or like towards the end of the night, as opposed to, you know, sort of going to bed phone in hand or headphones in and things like that. And it's been something I've been putting off starting back up again for okay. a very long time. I'll, I'll, I'll just be straight with you, dude, and we cut through the bullshit. Your higher selves knocking on the on the top of your head going, you need to be reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever books are jumping out at you, whether that's just a permission slip for you to actually um, change the frequency of how your mind is activating or immerse yourself into the book or the story mm-hmm. to give you a, a felt experience more from the external world rather than being so internal mm-hmm. from that resting state. And that'll just open up some some things for you there, mm-hmm. definitely. No, it, it's, it's 100% something I know that I've needed to do for a while. Get yeah. back. So I, I used to read everything all the time. And now I definitely have replaced it with podcasting for the most part or yeah. audio books. And I get a lot of good information that way as well. But physically actually sitting down and reading, there is something – quite meditative to that as well go to the ts bookshop in melbourne Mm. yeah and just walk around there and see what book kind of just jumps out at you all right philosophical society yeah on on russell street Mm -hmm. yeah go there see what what book jumps out at you easy i will 100 percent. it's you know that's a sort of kick i need i guess but it is 100 percent. it's been something that has been playing for for months and just sort of keep pushing it away. Just right, go away. We'll, we'll start next week. We'll do it. We'll start next week. We'll start next week. It's not that I don't have the time for it at all. It's just, uh, you know, even just start them with one page a night. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can. Once once I get once I get going, it'll be it'll become an obsession for a little bit. I dare say. Oh, so. right, cool. Yeah, set yourself up to succeed, though. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, you have. Yeah, there's something there for you with the the reading. Definitely. Well, your your higher self's kind of like it's been doing that since March, dude. Okay. Since March. All right. So what happened, happened in, in what March? Happened, yeah, what happened in March? March is a long time ago. Um, what happened in March? What was going on in March? I, honestly, so I, you I got your dog? What's the month? No. Almost. Four months? Six months? No, six months ago. Seven months ago. A little bit before that. Would have been a lot going on in March, but nothing that I can, uh, nothing that I can, yeah, cool. I yeah, can just... blow straight up, but. All right. Yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah, cool. I know. I uh, it's um yeah, like I said, something I something I wanted to do. So you know, I'm not like it's not like I'm you know pressed for resources here either. We've got you know, yeah, you've got shit ton of books cool between books, all yeah. our centers. We've got we've got our own little library anyway. So yeah, there's some stuff I wanted to pick up for a while. So yeah, awesome. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. We've got to wrap it up. Nick's got a big question. It's uh it's <laughs> going to be a question that. Um, we try and ask all of our guests. Yep. So, Nikki, wrap it up, mate. Yeah, so looking at um, the biggest regret of the dying. So, there was a study done a few years ago, whatever it was, and what they did is they yeah, they looked at people on their deathbed, spoke to lots of people there, and then came up and then found the most common reason, um, the biggest regret. And the biggest regret was that they wished they lived a life that was true to themselves rather than what others wanted them to live. Yeah. So looking at that, that's the biggest regret with 
plaguing most people? How do you feel that you're living your life right now in the context of that? That's a good one, isn't it? I'd say I'm on point now. Um, and if you had have asked me last year, or let's say two years ago, I would have said the same thing. But I know I would have been, you know, spinning a little bit of bullshit where uh, there was just some aspects where I wasn't quite being 100% honest with myself. And now there's a, uh, so much as a regret, but there's been some key um, key things in, in my life where if I go back and actually ask myself, did I actually speak from my heart and speak my truth and communicate that properly and actually show up, the answer would be um, no. And some of those um, actions therefore led into the way that they they went down. So for now, just being as um, as open in communication as I can. Sometimes, if it comes to over communicating, I will. And to be um, as honest as I as I can be, even if it um, gets to a point where it may hurt someone or be able to have those conversations, but it's that's kind of where I'm at with it at the moment, man. And just doing that day by day. And by doing so, I, um, I know I've got no baggage that is like a parachute dragging me behind. Cause it's like, well, I'm going to be as real and as honest as I can be and will be. And if it's a difficult conversation to have, I'm prepared to have it in humility as well. So, that would be that, but those past experiences as well, if I hadn't have gone through them, I wouldn't be in the position that I am now to be able to go, well, you know, am I still on a journey becoming a better version of myself daily? And yeah, that's, that's at the forefront at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Did I answer that decent enough? Yeah. I think so. All right, cool. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Great so reconnect. Guys. See you next time. Thanks guys. Just, just, just before we go, um, Grant, how do people get in contact with you? Uh, GrantEagles.com or SeaCreative.agency. Nice, and he can open you up and go deep within if you have oh, a I business. Can do it. Yeah, we, yeah. Hook me up on uh, GrantEagles.com and we can have a chat from there. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Catch it.